Colleagues, welcome back to the office. We're going to get started with our presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I have a couple of brief announcements to share with you. First, if you're watching our course live, please note that we'll confirm your engagement through polling questions uh, that you can respond to. Polling questions will occur about every 12 to 20 minutes, and please keep an eye out for them because they might not be announced. If you're watching after the fact, it's a self-study course. You will confirm your participation and engagement with our course today through a brief quiz that you'll complete on cpetoday.com after watching or listening to our presentation today. Your completion certificate will be sent to you by email. As long as you respond to 75% of the polling questions, if you're watching live, you will receive full credit for today's course. If you're watching after the fact as a self-study course, please note your certificate will be available to you immediately after passing the course quiz. We'd love to know what you think of our content and of our presentation today. If you wouldn't mind completing our course evaluation to provide your thoughts and feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, your feedback is used to help produce better and more insightful courses for you to consume in the future. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. If you're watching live, feel free to use the chat dialog box to ask your questions to the presenter. And if you're watching after the fact, you can send us an email at support at cpetoday.com and we'll follow up with you as quickly as we possibly can. As a reminder, the CPE Today podcast is available as a joint effort between CPE Today and K2. Twice a week, we're bringing you the latest and greatest in technology, accounting, business knowledge, and more. You can watch for free on cpetoday.com, YouTube, or Facebook. If you can't make the live presentation, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and listen to the show on your own time. All of our podcasts are eligible for CPE credit. After watching or listening, you just head over to cpetoday.com. You complete a short five-question quiz, and you'll earn a credit for watching or listening. Now, if you've never tried one of our classes before, how about you try one on us risk-free? You can use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make any podcast course of your choosing 100% free. We're going to get started here with our presentation. And again, thank you so much for being here. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay. Welcome, everybody. This is Excel Essentials for Staff Accountants. My name is Steve Yoss. Again, it is a pleasure being with you in our class. Uh, today's class is going to be looking at everything I think you need to know as a staff accountant to be effective and uh, useful and productive inside of your organization. Uh, Excel is one of those things. It is the Swiss Army knife of business. Uh, it's one of my favorite metaphors to use when discussing this application because it really can be and serve so many different incredible purposes for your organization. Everything from producing financial statements and doing detailed analysis to just being something thing for scratch work and figuring out and just doing a quick and dirty, uh, you know, um, analysis to figure out the, you know, profitability or figuring out what, uh, inventory, you know, you should purchase or carry in the coming year and more. And it's a tool that many of us have already have some experience and familiarity with, but rarely are we specifically trained on how to use this tool effectively. Uh, and so we kind of, you know, just kind of learn on the job and most of us pick up things from other people. Um, but, we don't ever kind of learn what those essentials might be, you know, and what, what we could essentially do uh, inside of this application at a ground level to really kind of be effective and powerful in this application. And what this uh, class is aimed at is really kind of aimed at providing that deep level of foundational skill within the context of using Excel uh, to give you the, uh, the, um, 
the insight and the uh, the skills necessary to not only just be able to use this application, but to really use it effectively. In this chapter four, uh, introduce a tool that's not included in your book here, but I think is really useful for you to know called Power Query. Uh, Power Query, if you've never heard of it before, is a tool that allows you to create repeatable, refreshable reports. Uh, there's a mantra that I personally live by with Excel, write once, refresh many. If it's a workbook that I'm going to do month in, month out, I really want to make it so that I can make this thing as easily updatable as we can. And uh, Power Query is that tool that allows it. It's a ETL tool, extract, transform, and load, allowing us to extract and transform data from virtually anywhere uh, that is structured, whether it be another Excel workbook, a database, uh, the web, uh, API from an application, and more. We'll talk a little bit in chapter five here about pivot tables. Um, this is not going to be an exhaustive pivot tables course. This is an essentials class, but we will talk about the six elements that make up a pivot table, some different structured ways of creating pivot tables, grouping, and more. I will point out we do have uh, classes specifically, eight-hour classes just on pivot tables. So if this uh, piques your interest, you can definitely check out K2 as we definitely have uh, other classes specifically on that feature and function. Now, before we get going, I got a couple of housekeeping announcements. And then we are going to go ahead and get started here. Again, my name is Steve Yoss. I am an instructor and presenter with K2. I've been a, an instructor with K2 now for many years. Uh, many of you I've had in classes before. And if you're a returning uh, student, thank you so much for coming. It's always a pleasure to have uh, you in our classes. And if you're a new student, Thank you. I appreciate you coming to check me out and coming to check out uh, what I have to teach here. Uh, in my life, my experience is split right down the middle. Half my life is spent writing and teaching and thinking about technology. Uh, I write anywhere from about 20 to 50 courses per year uh, on Excel, Power BI, databases, security, fraud, accounting, audit, you name it. And the other half of my life is spent doing software development in my business, Devmatics. Uh, my business, we build all different types of applications with our American-based uh, uh, engineering team. We build mobile apps. We build integrations between different tools. We build custom databases and more. If anybody has any questions on tech, by all means, please consider me a resource. You can always reach out, and I'd be happy to answer any questions or at least at the very, mo very minimum try to point you in the right direction. All right, folks, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. And the rest of our class today will be entirely inside of Excel. So let's go ahead and take a look at some of the date things that we can do with formulas inside of Excel. Okay, now, if you remember, I told you Excel treats all dates as numbers. And in fact, if we go and look here, for this particular date, it's 43539, which is happens to be the number of days from January 1st, 1900 to March 15th, 2019. Okay. Now, because all dates are numbers, you can actually do some pretty cool stuff with this. And I want to show you a couple of formulas that you should know to manipulate dates uh, that are very, very helpful. The first one is going to be the date formula. This is useful if you happen to have a formula and a need where you've got multiple um Values in this case, you're storing your year, you're storing your month, and your uh, individual date separately. You want to combine them into a single date. You can use that date formula where you can specify a year, month, and day. There you go, it will go ahead and specify that. Now, you can also use another formula here. This is called date value. Okay, now every once in a while, you're going to end up with a number that is stored as text. I've told you 
whenever possible. Do not do that for lots and lots and lots and lots of different reasons. Um, but generally, it, it should be avoided. But every once in a while, you're going to end up in a situation where you just can't necessarily avoid that occurring. Okay, well, good news is you have a formula called date value. And with date value, you could look at a value. Um, you could look at a specified cell that contains a date. And if it's written out January 1st, blah, 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 it will convert it into a numeric value that you can then do arithmetic on. You can do other operations on as well. Okay, so date value is useful to, to convert it from text back into its expected format. Okay, and then you also have four other functions that are useful. You've got day, month, week, day, and year. Okay, now what day will do is it will extract for a specified date. So over here we got January 1st, 2019. It will literally go and pull the date number out. So 1 to 31, typically, unless it's in, you know, in uh, you know, June, then it'll pull like 1 to 30. Or if it's in February, 1 to 28. Okay, month pulls 1 to 12. Okay, in this particular case, if you've got January, 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 it's going to pull 11111. If we put 1231.2022 over here, what's it do is it pulls a 12. Okay, you also have weekday. Now, what this will do is that it will actually go and look up and give you a number from 1 to 7. It will tell you. Did that specific value occur on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, so on and so forth? If it's a one, it's a Sunday. If it's a two, it's a Monday. If it's a Saturday, it's a six. Okay? And so this will tell you what number. Okay? There's actually nothing over here that will tell you the weekday name. It will only return a number from one to seven. But what you can do is you can use the choose function. The choose function is really simple. It creates an index. It's like a little mini lookup. And so in this particular case, if it's, uh, let's see, five is a Thursday, Okay, well, what it'll do is it'll substitute five for the fifth value. So one, two, three, four, five, and that's how that Thursday pops up. Okay, if you're really interested in the choose function and, and kind of this type of date arithmetic, check out the podcast. I've got one on user-defined functions where I write a user-defined macro that you can use to create the uh, week name of a um, date. You know, And instead of using the choose function, you can use your user-defined function, the one you write. Likewise, you could also pull out year. Okay. Why is this useful? Why is this effective? Well, this type of function, for example, where you could separate day, month, and year, you might want to write a calculator that will determine the fiscal period of your company. You know, if you have a fiscal period that runs, let's say February 1st to January 31st, and you need to offset things, you know, one or two months, depending on your fiscal period, this is going to be where you could write that appropriate formula that looks at the current year, pulls out just the month, pulls out just the date, pulls out just the year, and then you evaluate it accordingly. And you could translate that into whatever fiscal period you'd like to see presented. Okay, so those are your uh, arithmetic functions, or sorry, your date modification functions. I'm also going to point out you can do just simple math on dates uh, as well. So, you know, if you want to be able to take it uh, and you wanted to have like 620 to 630 and you wanted to... I don't know. Let's, let me just go ahead and put these both into that same short date format. And you wanted to be able to subtract these because they're ultimately integers. Guess what, folks? You can just add and subtract. So if I wanted to add and subtract dates, divide. Never thought about dividing dates, but I guess you could. Um, you could do all your base operations here because, again, they're just integers at the end of the day. Excel doesn't think this is any different than that number. It's just storing one as it's storing them both as integers. Okay. And in fact, I think if we turn that over, yeah, we see that as January 8th, 1900. 
Okay, so that's a little bit about your dates. Let's go ahead and talk for just a minute about your accounting uh, payment-centric stuff, which is useful for you to know as well. Uh, and there are several different ones. You've got payment calculators, accrued interest, uh, present value over a non-standard term, uh, internal rate of return, again, over a non-standard term here. And you know your probably simplest example here is gonna be your payment calculator, where you have a rate, a number of periods, a present value, and optionally, you could have a future value as well as a type. Uh, in this particular case, we've got a principal of 200,000, an annual interest rate of 4% for 30 years. Well, what's your payment? 954 bucks. Per month okay it's simple interest calculation okay you could also do an interest calculation over an irregular period when you see that i like this that means over an irregular period uh and this means that you could for example okay um you could uh, specify some additional parameters in here and so we could see here for example here's our rate b2 divided by b5 that is getting us our let's see where are we b2 over B5, okay, 4% over 12 months. Uh, we can see here we've got six payments per year. Our principal's 200,000. Well, guess what? Here is our interest over that period of time, and uh, it would be 661. Okay, so. Okay. Sorry. With the I in front of it, just to be completely, this is over a, and this is the exact definition here, okay? Returns an interest payment for a given period of investment based off of periodic constant payments and a cons constant interest rate, okay? All right, over here, here's another one. This is your PM, uh, your, okay? This is going to give you a uh, return on the payment of a principal for an investment given on, again, that same kind of periodic rate. Uh, what we're doing here is we're specifying the principal, the annual interest rate, the term, so on and so forth. And so the interest for this particular uh, selected period in this case would be 293 bucks. Okay, we can do our crude interest. Okay, uh, in this case we can, uh, for example, see that this, we have our starting date and our ending date. This is where I was getting a little confused. Some of these you could specify dates and times. And uh, this particular one you can here. And so we could start this off an irregular period, you know, in terms of our starting date and our ending date. And uh, it could be non-calendar. It could be like something like middle of March to the middle of July if we need to. Okay. Likewise, we can come over here. Here is our net present value. Okay. And with our net present value here, uh, and this, I'm sorry, this is a good example. This is over an irregular time period, okay? So um, in this particular instance, you can see we've got January, we've got April, we've got uh, October, February, so on and so forth. Maybe those are the terms of which we are determining when we're going to make our interest payments. Well, this is how we can calculate it. And likewise, we can figure out our internal rate of return over an irregular period as well. Now, NPV and XI, I'm sorry, NPV and IRR both have equivalent functions with just IRR and NPV for regular periods. But adding that X in front of it will allow it to be an irregular where we could specify the specific dates that we choose to do the calculation on. Uh, in practice, I tend to use the XIRR and XNPV uh, when I need to do this calculation. Although in practice, I don't really do it that often. 
All right, folks, let's go ahead and move on here. And I want to discuss a little bit of bonus topic in a way, which is going to be our uh, discussion with respect to Power Query. Okay. Now, Power Query, if you've never seen it, never used it before, it is a super useful tool that will I that we will use to fetch data from third-party resources and import them into our Excel workbook. Okay, um, here's the vision I want to sell you. Okay, the vision I want to sell you is that of um, refreshable, repeatable reports. Uh, where instead of, you know, Steve running that same report month in, month out and uh, having to update that report based off of new values, going to various systems, running reports, and then loading those into Excel, cleaning up those reports, adding columns, removing columns, splitting data, so on and so forth. Uh, but rather, I want to create a repeatable, refreshable reporting system where Excel will do a lot of the heavy lifting for me. Okay, and that's what Power Query will do. Okay. I personally view this as an absolute essential with respect to work today and whenever possible, I leverage power query because it is so useful, um, for kind of making my reports easier, less prone to error, faster to update more dynamic in every possible way. Okay. Now power query is what we call ETL extract, transform and load. And with respect to extract and transform and load, what this allows us to be able to do is it allows us to be able to go out to a specified data source. And from that particular data source, we can extract data from, um, from something. I mean, from a website, from a, uh, from a, uh, a database, it could be from our accounting system. It could be wherever it could be QuickBooks. It could be zero. It could be SAP. It could be Sage. It could be whatever you want it to be. Okay. Power query is completely agnostic when it comes to data sources. As long as the data is, is structured. And as long as the data is fetchable, you can go grab it. Now, this wasn't going to work, for example, to import data from like, uh, my little book here, you know, that I write down my daily task list. But you know where it can be useful? It can be useful from getting data, again, from the accounting system, from our payroll system, check writing system, whatever. I could just go grab and access that data uh, on its own. Okay, so it can extract that. It can transform this data, meaning it can actually do the heavy lifting, the modifications to get this data to work the way we want it to work. And what I mean by this is that it can add columns, remove columns, substitute columns. It could do a lot of the cleanup work that we normally would manually and physically have to do in our spreadsheets, removing columns, moving things over, getting into the correct format. Power Query can just remember that. It remembers what it does. It creates like a playlist and then in the future, you hit refresh, it goes back and it grabs whatever data uh, is updated or new or been removed, and will update your report correspondingly. And then ultimately, it loads. It'll load that data into Excel. Now, this feature and function that I'm talking about here is 100% available and supported in Power BI. So for those of you who are maybe looking to get into the business intelligence game and maybe looking to do some uh, internal reports with respect to your company and creating dashboards inside of Power BI, guess what? Everything I'm going to show you today, you can actually use this with. Okay. So with respect to this, um, I want to go ahead and illustrate a couple of really kind of cool things that you can do with Power Query. Um, 
that you can ultimately learn on. And we're going to walk through a couple of different examples here of some different data transformation techniques. And I'm also going to point you, I have a tool that you can consider utilizing that uh, will help train you with respect to some of the major uh, ways in which uh, Power Query can operate. Okay. All righty. So let's go ahead and get started here. And the first thing I want to show you ultimately is going to be, I want to show you where, um, I want to show you where the uh, data, um, where the functionality actually lives. Okay. So the functionality itself is going to live over here under the data ribbon. And from the data ribbon on the far left-hand side, you'll see get and transform and queries and connections. Okay. Now, Get and transform is where we're going to interact with this first. And on the left-hand side here under our get data, this is going to be where we can choose to import data in from any number of sources. We could pull in data from files. Okay. So this will work with static files like Excel workbooks, text files, CSV files, not a problem at all. We just tell it with delimiters. So if it's a comma, semicolon, whatever, it could pull in data from um, both XML and JSON. Okay. Uh, so these are web technologies. So extendable markup language, JavaScript object notation with respect to importing these files in. From PDFs, I know there was a question early on today. Hey, I want better insight on how I can extract data from PDFs. Well, Power Query is going to be it. And if you have an example you'd like to share with us, I'll see if I can do it here for you. Um, now, what I will point out, mileage will vary. Okay, there's a big difference between good and poorly designed PDFs. If it's a scan of like, you know, Steve's left-handed writing here, you know, mileage will vary. But if it's a document that was originally, a, you know, always a PDF, it wasn't something that was scanned in, but rather, you know, um, it was a order e email, confirmation email, with a copy of the invoice, and the invoice looks exactly the same every single time. Well, you have a much higher likelihood of getting that to work. We can also point it to a folder, and I'll show you what that looks like as well. You can actually suck up and consolidate a whole folder of data as well. Okay, we can come over here and we can access data from a database, okay? So we can get data from SQL Server, from Microsoft Access, MySQL, Postgres, Sybase, Teradata, and more. No problems. Uh, and in fact, if you learn how to work with the database, guess what? You're going to be so well prepared for future analytic work. Uh, and if you're looking to learn how to use a database, check out, again, the podcast. We've got Database Basics for Financial Professionals, free set of classes. You can learn the basics of working with the database as a CPA. It's not a database administrator class, not a programming class. It's going to tell you enough to know how to pull your data into Power Query and manipulate it from there. Okay, we can pull in data from Azure. So if we happen to be using any of the Azure services, single click, login, works out great. Likewise, we can pull data from Power BI. We can pull in data from other online sources, including SharePoint, Dynamics 365, Microsoft Exchange. And down here under other sources, we'll actually be spending most of our time down here in the couple of demos I've got for you. We can pull in data from other tables inside of our workbook. We'll use that option a lot. We're gonna start here pulling data in from the web, but we can also pull down data over here from ODBC. What is ODBC? Well, ODBC is, stands for Open Database Connectivity. If you're not familiar with it, ODBC is an ISO standard for interoperability between systems. It's been around since 1992. And with ODBC, what's really useful with this is that we can actually use this to extract data from virtually any type of structured data source that's out there, okay? Uh, this is how we, for example, will get data from our accounting system into our uh, into QuickBooks. 
or I'm sorry, not into QuickBooks, but into uh, into Excel. Uh, this is how we're going to, for example, get our data from um, our inventory system, our payroll system, into Excel or into Power BI. Okay, there are companies. One such company is this company called C Data, and C Data makes connectors. Okay, so if we come on over here to connectors, okay, they make connectors to many popularly uh, utilized systems. So if you're like, hey man, like how do I get my data from Epicor? How do I get my data from whatever? There's a good chance C Data makes a tool for you to be able to use. In fact, if you come over here to accounting, you can see many of these are accounting tools present, including all of the QuickBooks products, both online and as well as desktop. Uh, we can see Sage 200, Sage five, uh, 350 are supported as well. Zero Workday, Zoho Books. If we click over to Sage, or sorry, not Sage, but CR, CRM and ERP, there's even more solutions. These are your bigger ones. So your Acumaticas, your Epicor, your SAP, okay, your Sage 300, your Salesforce force uh, and more. And uh, what this would be, let's say we're pulling down data from Acumatica as an example here. This will connect to the Acumatica database in such a way that's secure and reliable and then allow you to connect Excel to it. So if you think about it, Power Query is connecting to the C data tool, that C data tool is connecting to your accounting data, and then you could pull down that data dynamically from wherever that data set might happen to live and wherever that data might happen to, uh, to be. Okay. And um, this is again using that ODBC connector. And with that ODBC connector, uh, it's pretty much game on at that point in time. We can um, then be able to extract data in real time from any accounting system uh, that we're utilizing and then be able to pull that data directly into Excel. Okay. So pretty cool. Now, for our first example here, I want to show you just pulling data down from the web. Just ask a broad question here. Does anybody ever deal with foreign currency inside of their organization? Okay, if you do, and, or even if you don't, what you do need to know is that with respect to your foreign currency, um, I'll point out that with respect to this, it uh, it's something that seemingly changes immediately. You know, the second you look at a foreign currency rate, it changes, you know. So let's say we wanted to be able to get our, our foreign currency directly inside of Excel to be able to do some calculation. Now, this example Substitute foreign currency for your payroll data. Substitute this for your logistics carrier, like knowing what it's been shipped to customers or what's inbound freight to your business. The point of this is, is we're going out to somewhere, we're getting dynamic data, okay? Now, in order to be able to get this, what I probably would end up doing nine times out of 10 is I probably go over to my favorite search engine and I probably type in something like FX rates, okay? Now, I would probably want to go and find a table of where this data looks. Okay. And here's a very useful website, x-rates.com. And uh, if we come over here to our rates table, we can actually see they got a nice table of data. And this is exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for structured data. I'm looking for data that I can get. I'm looking for data that I can extract. I'm looking for data that is structured with a header row and rows. I'm not looking for images. I'm not looking for videos. I'm looking for structured table-based data. Okay. So if we wanted to, we can go to x-rates.com. We can actually import this data in. Now, if you'd like to follow along, please go ahead and do so. I'll point out, be very careful how you type that word in. It's x-rates. If you type the wrong thing, you might get a very different result. Now, traditionally, if we wanted to bring this data in for calculation purposes, we might have done something like, you know, copied and pasted this information. Okay. Now, the problem with this, if we copied and pasted it, maybe we're smart and we do that paste special, 
Well, it's static data and the chances of this getting out of data are 100%, right? So instead of pasting this data in, what we're ultimately gonna tell Excel to do is we're gonna tell it where that data lives and we're gonna allow it to go extract that data automatically. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna come over here to the data tab and we're gonna click from the web or you can come down over here to get data and then select from other sources and from the web here. Either way will work, okay? And then we're gonna point it in this case to this particular website. And we'll go ahead and drop this in here and we'll click OK. Now, what this is going to do is it's going to connect out to that data source. And it's going to be like, oh, cool. You want me to connect to this? Great. How do you want me to connect? And you can access data that is not publicly accessible. I can act in this particular case, I'm going to choose anonymously. But and I'll do another example here in a minute where we're going to log into something. But you can access it anonymously if it's just a public website. You could also choose to use a username and password. You could also use a web API. And you could also use an organizational account as well, or your Windows credentials for that matter. For this particular case, we're going to go ahead and select anonymously. We'll click connect. And what it's going to do is it's going to connect to that website. It's going to scan that particular website, and it's going to look for data that can be extracted into Power Query. Now, we can go over here and we could scan this. And what we'd end up doing is we're going to look at each of these sources and figure out if they're good and if this is what we want to use. And so if I click this first one here, document, I don't know what that is, but that's not what I want it to be. How about table one? Oh, look at this. U.S. dollar. Okay, we can see uh, Argentinian peso, Australian dollar, Bahrainian dinar, Botswana pula, Brazilian real. And if we actually come back over here to our X rates, it's actually this lower table right here. The upper one's listed as well. But for our purposes here, I'm going to use this lower table. And you'll see that those columns, in fact, match this perfectly. Okay. And so what we can tell Excel is, you know what? Go ahead and grab this data. Now I'm gonna do this demonstration again. I just wanna draw your attention to one thing before we move on. When we find the data that we want, you'll see this option here that says load or transform data, okay? Now we're gonna go ahead and select the load here. This basically just loads the data in as is, okay? We're gonna come into transform here in a minute though, and that's actually Power Query. That's where we're gonna do our, do our work. But let's just take a look at the data as is. Now, if we click this, it's going to connect out to that website. It's going to grab that data, boom, add it straight into our worksheet. And we can see here all of it is listed. And in fact, we've got all that foreign currency. All right. Now, very simply, if you did nothing else, you click refresh, it's going to go back out and it's going to grab and update that data correspondingly. So right away, again, start thinking about this with going to your accounting system and pulling down your general ledger, go to your inventory system, pull down your inventory account, go to your payroll, get your logged in entries of your staff, pull this data directly into Excel. And all you have to do here is hit refresh and it will refresh this data automatically. In fact, if we click over here to the right, you'll see our queries and connection. If we hover over this little query and connection, you can see here table one, Okay, so I mentioned previously, we always want to give our tables a name so we can come in here and give this a name if we want. We'll fix it in our next example, though. Okay, and if we actually come down here and click these little three dots, we can go ahead and select properties. Uh, we can actually select this file to automatically refresh. And so if we selected something like refresh every 60 minutes, 15 minutes, it'll always go and get us the recent, most recent cut of the data of what we're looking for. Okay, we can also indicate whether or not it should refresh when it's opening the file. And there's other features in here, 
they're not really useful or germane to our conversation. Just the fact that you can control how often this refreshes. But right here, refreshable, repeatable report. At any point, you can manually refresh this or you can set this so that it will update correspondingly. And if we look at our page here, okay, we're going to see if these two numbers work in lockstep. 123, 863, and 201. Okay, you'll notice that number's a little bit different. I'm going to go ahead and refresh this here. Okay. We refresh this over here. We'll see that those numbers change. 123, 861, 902. 123, 861, 902. So it's going to keep those directly connected. At any point, you can just refresh it and you'll get the latest cut of whatever that data might be. Okay. Now, I said I was going to do this demonstration again. And why? Well, as good as this is, and this is a pretty nifty parlor trick, um, it's not perfect. Okay. And you might see like here, you know, like the headers are a little weird. I also don't really need all 54 of these countries. We're really not doing that much business with the, uh, uh, Romanian new Liao. And you know what, frankly, we, we're not, uh, our Russian office is closed, so we don't maybe need to see that foreign currency. And you know what, we're just not doing that much work with, uh, you know, most of these places. Maybe I just want the handful of countries that I actually work with. Not a problem. This is where Power Query kicks in. So in our next example, we're going to take this data and we're actually going to limit it down to exactly what we want it to be. We've extracted the data. Let's transform the data. Let's get the data to be actually useful for what we want it to be. So we're going to come back over here to our data tab, get data from other sources from the web. We're going to paste in that URL one more time, but and we're going to go and select that exact table that we did before. But rather than hit load, we're going to go ahead and hit transform. We're going to hit this button right over here. And with that transform button, this is actually going to load up Power Query. It comes up in a separate window, just like the compare files version did for the inquire toolbar here. And now we can actually do something with our data. Now, very quickly to acquaint yourself over the left, you're going to see a listing of all your data sources. In this case, we just have our table one. Okay. Up top here in our ribbon menu, these are our palette of brushes, our tools for the picture that we want to paint. And these tools allow us to be able to modify and transform this data to be whatever we would like it to be. Uh, most of the time you're gonna hang out here under the home and the transform. If you need to create new, new types of data, you can do add columns, you can do formula operations and the like, okay? I don't really come over here to the view menu uh, this mostly is useful for debugging purposes. You know, like I can determine the validity, uh, the validity of a column, the quality of a column, what type of data is stored in that column, so on and so forth. Most of the time I'm here in these three tabs. And over here under the right, you'll see our table name. And what are we going to do, folks? We're going to come over here and immediately give this a name. So we're going to call this one FX rates. And when we do so, it appropriately updates this query. And the next thing I want to show you is this applied steps. Okay. Under the applied steps, every time we make a modification, a manipulation, a change, uh, whatever to this data, it's going to write a new step. Okay. And as we start to manipulate and work with this, getting it down to exactly what we want, we can see exactly what this data is going to look like before it goes into Excel. And when we hit refresh in the future, Excel starts at the top of these applied steps and works its way down to the bottom. So for our purposes here, we don't need all 50 plus states. Uh, we actually just need maybe North America, a couple in Europe, maybe New Zealand, Australia. So we're going to go ahead and filter down by clicking our normal filter button. And we're going to say, you know what? I don't need all of this. We just need our uh, Canadian dollar. We want our euro. Okay. We want our British pound. We want our 
New Zealand dollar. Okay, and let's grab our Australian dollar and we'll click OK. And here you go. Here are the five countries we actually maybe need to care about with respect to our foreign currency. Well, the next thing is I don't really like these headers. I want them to say something different. So I'm going to go ahead and say uh, FX country. Okay. Over here, I'm going to see that the headers, again, I don't really like these. So I'm going to go ahead and say NFX. So that's what it would be in foreign currency. And we're going to see this would be in USD. So what that foreign currency is here in the United States dollars. And if I wanted to, I could even switch the order of these columns. Okay. Now, if we look over here under the right, every step that we've made, there's an appropriate step inside of this. And I can actually play my steps back in order and see exactly how it arrived to a particular outcome. And once I'm happy with this, we can go ahead and select close and load. This will load up a new worksheet. Boom, dropping our data right into Excel, exactly in the format, order, and presentation that we want it to be, okay? In the future, data changes, not a problem. We hit that refresh, and it goes and it grabs the latest cut of this, okay? So this, this folks, right here, this is that tool, that magic bullet, that, uh, that uh, sword in the stone, that once you pull this, this will save you days, weeks, and months out of your life. Okay. Uh, I can tell you, I use this in every opportunity now in terms of how I work in Excel and I would encourage you to as well. Okay. So that is our very, very simple example. Let me go ahead and show you a couple other really nifty things you can do here. Okay. We could take data in any format. It doesn't matter how it looks, how it's, how it's uh, designed. We can make it useful. So we could take a data like this, you know, which is a summarized pivoted report, right? Okay, maybe we want to clean this up, remove unending necessary columns, remove our totals, and put it into raw data format to create our own pivot table. We can do that. Okay, we're going to come over here to our data ribbon. We're going to go ahead and select data from table range. This is going to prompt us to create a table. Not a problem. We're going to go ahead and hit OK. And we're off to the races. Now, in this particular instance, I want to take this data back to raw data format where there's actually three columns, one for the company, one for the date, and one for the value, because I ultimately I want to create my own pivot table from it. Not a problem. We can tell it, for example, to get rid of our total column. It remembers that I removed the rightmost column. We could tell it to, to remove X number of bottom rows. So if we had a bunch of raw data that had subtotals in it, not a problem. We can tell it to remove those. We can also tell it to unpivot. So in this case, we can unwrap this data around these columns. And we'll go ahead and do so here, selecting our unpivot. There you go. Okay. Now our header row is incorrect. We're going to go ahead and change this to date. You'll notice it's coming up with this ABC format. Not a problem. We can go ahead and hit that ABC and we can tell it to turn it into a date. Likewise, it's showing us the header row here as value. We'll go ahead and say this is sales and we could go ahead and put it into maybe currency format if we'd like as well. Once we're done, we'll go ahead and close and load. And that data is now brought back in a clean format. Now to complete our example here and maybe even to lead us into what we're going to talk about next here in a moment, we can go ahead and easily now take this into our pivot table. And now we get the ability to create our own pivot table and we're not limited to just that export format. 
Okay, we could split data. Okay, to really kind of finish our example of all the different ways of splitting data, okay, uh, we could split this in Power Query as well, and it's even better. So here we've got our address, city, state, postcode, and country. We're going to come over here to our data ribbon. We're going to go ahead and select from table range. It's going to prompt us to turn this into a table. We're going to go ahead and select OK. And right here from our home ribbon inside of Power Query, we can go ahead and select split column. By delimiter, it's going to figure out that the comma is probably the delimiter that we want. And unlike with text to columns, where we have to run this every single time we've got a delimiter here, we can say only once at the left, only once at the right, or at every occurrence. And we can go ahead and select at every occurrence. And clicking OK here splits this across. We'll update our header row. Address. City. State. Postcode, country, okay? We're gonna go ahead and select close, but close and load too. And let's go ahead and put this data side by side with our existing data, okay? And so let's come over here and uh, put this onto an existing worksheet. And we'll put this over here on column C1. And now that data is side by side, okay? Now check this out. We're gonna come down here, we're gonna add a new address. So I'm gonna put in my address, 123 Main Street, Big Bear Lake, California. Okay. Okay, your data is a living thing. It updates, it chains, and it will automatically um, always have new values if it's something hooked up to a system. Okay, with Power Query, you don't have to go run that report of those customers again. You just come over, you set this up once, you hit refresh. Any new data gets added, like a new address here, it's going to get included in your report. If we delete a bunch of data or we update a bunch of the data uh, to new records, okay, we hit refresh, it's going to keep that data up to date, okay? Trust me, folks, this is a tool that you can save. And I'm only scratching the surface because it's outside the scope of this course. But any essentials class, in my opinion, in 2022 going forward has to have um, has to have a little at least discussion with respect to what you can do with Power Query. So check out the podcast. We've got a lot more episodes of this covered. And in fact, one in particular I check you, tell you to check out would be our uh, Learn SQL series, L-E-A-R-S-Q-L, Learn SQL uh, I have courses um, and podcasts set up on this where you can actually do this with accounting data. And we've got a sample database set up for you to experience uh, what it's like to connect the QuickBooks data, Sage data. Um, we've got several other sample databases, including some big data sample databases as well. But if this interests you, and hopefully it does, Power Query is definitely the tool and feature you're going to want to consider using. All righty. So saying that, let's go ahead and get into our fifth and final chapter here, which is going to be a discussion of pivot tables. Uh, you know, I used to say Excel's best feature. I think Power Query is the best feature these days, but uh, definitely let's say top three. So in this section, what I want to do is I want to identify some of the primary benefits with respect to using pivot tables, identify how we would arrange data to summarize it. Uh, I want to talk about some different methods of creating pivot tables, as well as identify some of the issues relating to our pivot tables as well.
All right, so first let's go ahead and identify some of the major benefits as well as some of the uh, simple ways that we can go ahead and create a, a pivot table. So the first major benefit here is the fact that it can automatically summarize data with lots of different summarization options listed. Okay, over here we have a very, very simple example of a pivot table. This data is being pulled from 434 rows. Okay, if we pop up here, we can see we've got check numbers, account, and vendor. First and foremost, the reason we use pivot tables, why they're quick at summarizing data, okay? Uh, we can summarize this data and be able to see this in the context of time or in the context of vendor and account like that. There's nothing faster than creating a pivot table that way. We can also, if we utilize the data modeling techniques, drill down and drill around some of the underlying data sets. We can summarize data across multiple different dimensions. Uh, so with respect to our data here, we could um, pull down and we could, for example, see this dimensionally where we could see, for example, our accounts and then see the individual vendors inside of those specific accounts as we want. You know, so we can analyze this data across several different dimensions with subtotals at each level. Uh, great options with respect to formatting. We can create user defined calculations. Uh, we can also create pivot charts. So typically in order to be able to chart our data, we have to summarize our data. If we try to create a chart off of this data as an example here, well, it's not going to know what to do, you know, because the data has to be summarized in order for that chart to work. And we'd end up with something goofy like this because there's way too many data points. Okay. For charts to work, you got to do summary statistics. You know, so that means counting things, summing things, averaging things. And instead of having 400 data points, you've got 10, you know, or, or less than, than that. Okay. Now, with respect to your pivot table, you've got six main elements that you should be familiar with. Okay. Let's go ahead and switch back over here and let's move our vendor back up here to our filters and let's identify what those six things are. First things first, you got your filter. Okay. Your filter is going to be always at the top of your, uh, your data, and it's going to be your macro level filter for your report. Whatever options are set up here, they're going to filter down to the rest of the report and you know, you can have as many layers of filters as you want. So if I wanted to stack these things, uh, I could go ahead and do so. Okay. So you're not required to only have one layer. You can have several layers if you want to. Okay. And pivots, I think the reason they call them a pivot table, if I were to guess, the fact that we can pivot around a specific data point, we can also pivot to new directions of analysis really quickly and simply. And so that really kind of comes from just kind of putting the uh, elements where we'd like to see them on the screen. Okay. Now we have our values. Our values are really this. Okay. Uh, the values will always be numeric. Okay. Pivot tables do not work on alpha data or alpha numeric data. The data always has to be numeric, uh, meaning this is not going to be something that we're going to use um, to do like sediment analysis. It's not going to tell you, for example, you know, how good something is or how poor something is. It doesn't have that ability to do qualitative analysis. Uh, it only has the ability to do quantitative work. And so whatever values we have present here, they have to have math operations done on them. Now, the most common thing that we use these for are some, but we can average, we can get the min, we can get the max, we can get the standard deviation, we can get the product. We have a full range of arithmetic options with respect to how we're going to calculate our values here. Okay. All right. So then we have columns and rows. Okay. Confusingly, columns are the x-axis and rows are the y-axis. At least for me, I always felt that those numbers 
uh, should have been, or not the numbers, but the name should have been flipped. But it does make sense. Uh, columns control what is going across. So our x-axis and rows control what are going down on our y-axis. And so when we're building with a pivot table, the thing we want to analyze, we pull that specific value over here and we move it to whatever point of the analysis we'd like to see it. So if we want to see it going down, we pull it to the rows. If we want to see it going across, we pull it over here to columns. Now, pivot tables are best designed to go vertical rather than horizontal. Whenever possible, you should have your reports going down rather than across because most people are expecting to see the data uh, presented in that specific way. So these are our main areas with respect to our pivot tables. Pretty simple overall with respect to how we go and how we create uh, this specific uh, table. All right, let's go ahead and create a sample pivot table. Okay, now we just have some standard data here and it looks like we actually have some hidden data. So let's go ahead and unhide it. And let's go ahead and talk about some best practices with respect to creating your pivot tables. Now, I'm pretty sure I already mentioned this once before, but if I didn't, I'm going to preface this by saying again, whenever possible, you always create a table from your data and then create your pivot table. Let me just show you one quick reason why that's the case. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and this is not a table. Uh, this is just standard Excel data. And we're going to create our pivot table by coming over here to the insert menu. And we're going to select pivot table from the far left of that insert menu. Okay. Now, when we go to create our data from a standard Excel workbook, it needs to know where that data locates. Now, the same rules apply for a pivot table as they apply for, for a table. Um, you want to have no completely blank rows, no completely blank columns. Your data should be contiguous. It should all touch each other. You should have a header row. All of those principles for tables and pivot tables make sense. Okay, and they're identical between them. And in here, we're just going to go ahead and say create it on a new worksheet. Um, but it's going to figure out and it's going to provide the absolute reference of where that data starts and stops. Okay, we're going to go ahead and hit OK here. And we're going to go about creating our table just the way we normally would. So I'm going to drag my count over here. We'll drag our uh, this to this. And we'll drag maybe our amount over here to our values. Okay. Now, if your data is never expanding... It's not really that big of a deal, but frankly, we live in this world where our data is frankly auto expanding. And if you're following what I was telling you earlier with respect to your um, power query, this idea of you running a report and pulling a report down, hopefully is going to be something you're going to be looking at through the rear view mirror. Hopefully you're going to be pulling down dynamic data from power query and pointing it directly at where your organizational data lives as such you need a dynamic container that can hold that data and grow as your data set grows. If we don't create a table first and have our data in a table, the issue is, is if we go and we add additional raw data down here, let's just come to the bottom of our data set here and let's put 12, 31, 2022, and it was check 9999 for uh, $9,500 to Steve Co Industries. Okay, professional services. 
Okay, the issue is that data is not going to get picked up inside of this pivot table. In fact, if I come over here and I refresh this pivot table, we're not going to see that data presented here. Okay, why is that? Well, the reason you're not going to see it, it's actually going to be over here under your pivot table analyze. You need to change the data source. Smack dab in the middle in your data work group, you'll see this change data source. And what you need to do is that you need to come down here and you'll see that that new data that might have been appended, it's not included here. And you actually have to come on over here and you have to tell if the data didn't stop at row 31, but it stopped at row 32 in order to be able to include that new data set. And in doing so, you'll see that pop up here. Okay. Now, alternatively, if we turn this into a table, okay, it's going to figure out where our data is. And remember, tables automatically expand. And when we go to create a pivot table from this data, notice, let's be correct here. Let's come over here to our table design and give it a name. And so we're going to say check register. When we go to create a pivot table from this data, which we can do so straight from the table design menu, notice it doesn't have the position of where this data starts and stops. It just says the name of the table, in this case, check register. This is a small distinction, but the takeaway from this is that anything in the scope of the table Okay, it's going to be in the scope of whatever descendant functionality you're using in Excel. So if it's a pivot table, a pivot chart, if you're using uh, regular chart and graph, power map, whatever, guess what? It's in the scope of that pivot table. And, and you're going to see that listed right here. And so now if we go and we add new data to this, it's also going to be presented inside of that new data set as well. And any new or updates would automatically be pulled through with respect to our uh, sample data that we'll see that presented in here as well. So fabulous overall. We'll go ahead and hit uh, create. Okay. And we have, looks like I accidentally, I think I flubbed a number here. Yes, we did. Let's go ahead and change this to date. Okay. Good news is since we created a table, once we hit this refresh all, you'll see that properly changes over. And then we can go and create our table exactly the way that we would like it to be. Okay. So whenever possible, create a table first. And I cannot think of a single instance when you would not need this, but definitely create that table first. And so now we can go about our business. We'll drag our amount down here to values, our vendor over here to uh, our rows, and maybe we'll pull this down this way. And now we have a very, very nice pivot table report. Okay. Now, before we go and creating just kind of standard pivot tables, let me show you one other cool function that you should know, which is going to be the recommended pivot tables. Let's say you're getting started with pivot tables here. You've never done a lot of them before. You want to little, learn a little bit more about what you could do with pivot tables. Well, um, you can use the recommended pivot table functionality. Come on over here to the insert menu. And from the insert menu, making sure your active cell is somewhere inside that table. If you click that recommended pivot table option, it's going to scan your data. And it's going to recommend some potential pivot tables that you might choose to use. Okay, so we can see here, here's a sum by vendor. We can see here's a sum by account. Uh, we can see here's a sum or count by check numbers. To be honest, I don't really ever use the recommended pivot tables, mostly because of my experience. But uh, if you're just getting started or you got a colleague that maybe isn't used to creating pivot tables and you want to help them out, at least this is going to get you some of the way there and it's going to put stuff where it is. I personally recommend you spend an extra three minutes, learn a little bit about pivot tables basically work. And then you can go ahead and you can start creating your own pivot tables from where they need to be. Okay.
So let's go ahead and create a couple of pivot tables and do a few more examples here. Let me clean up my workspace a little bit. All right, and let's go create another pivot table. So we're gonna come over here to our insert menu. From insert, we're gonna go ahead and select pivot table. And we're gonna go ahead and select create, okay? All right, so for myself, I'm gonna go ahead and pull my amount down here to values, because again, that's where we're gonna do our math. What is that number and what does that represent? Well, that is a count, or in this case, a sum of uh, all the money, you know? And so that column for sum of amount should always match that if you highlighted this exact value in this exact cell here, that should match this number over here under sum. So 787525. And if we come back over here to our pivot table, 787525 is listed as well. Okay. So those two should always match. Now, how we describe it, that's where we start getting a little bit granular with our pivot table. Okay. So we'll pull down here our account to our rows, and we'll then pull our vendor over here to account. Okay. Now we've got our x-axis going here. Now let's go grab our date and pull that over here to columns. Okay. One of the really nice things about modern pivot tables is the grouping on these pivot tables. You can do some really, really nifty stuff with respect to these groupings. And so uh, you'll notice when we group things based off of time, it actually does a pretty good job. And it figures out, for example, that we're talking about day, month, and year here. And it probably means I don't want to see these things based off of individual day. And in modern versions of Excel, it'll do this grouping for us automatically. And it's something that we don't really ever have to think about. It'll just it'll just work, you know? And so uh, with respect to this, you can right click on anything that is grouped and you can adjust how that grouping occurs. So if I bring my active cell up here to B4 and I right click, you'll see from my right click menu here, this option for group and ungroup. Now let's go ahead and select our group option here. And in this, you'll see, and this is special, this isn't for everything, it's only for time. We can auto specify a start date and end date for our, our grouping. And then we can also choose how it should be aggregated. So by default, it choose months, quarters, years. If we wanted to, we could go all the way down to the second, or we could, for example, just include years and it would just summarize down to those specified years. And so in this case, we can see all of these expenses uh, except Steve Co., which is in the subsequent period. Okay, and that was the one that we added. Okay, we can right click on this again, select group. I would never recommend this, but uh, let's say you go down to days. One of the cool things that you could do with this is the will automatically expand and collapse. Uh, you'll notice here we've got individual days, January 2nd, January 1st, January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, so on and so forth. Well, one of the cool things is that we can collapse this. So if I don't need to look at January, I don't need to look at February, I can do so. The hierarchy is as such that we can collapse these fields if we don't need them. And as long as the order over on the right-hand side where we're selecting our order here is set in the biggest thing is on top and the smallest things on the bottom, it's going to collapse correctly. Um, ideally, you want to think through your organization method and follow that paradigm where, again, your largest things on top and your smallest things on bottom. Okay. Now we can also right click on this and we can also select this option here that says expand and collapse and we can choose to collapse individual components of this if we so desire. So if we wanna collapse everything, we can go ahead and slap, select collapse entire field and it'll collapse everything based off of what's selected. So I selected my months here and it's selected and collapsed that whole thing. If I came up here to my quarters and did that same operation, 
you'll see it now collapsed all your quarters. Okay, and you can also manually do these as needed as well. Okay. Alrighty. Now let's go ahead and also take a look at organization at the um, category level. Okay, so over here on the right, you'll notice that we've got uh, beverage, food, insurance, payroll expense, so on and so forth. And let's say we wanted to op, you know, kind of collapse these into, let's call it, say cost of goods sold. You know, this looks to be some sort of restaurant and let's just say operating expenses. Well, first things first, you can easily pick these things up and organize them whatever way you want. So if I wanted to put my food cost on top, I can go ahead and I can do so with that. Okay, if I wanted to move my supplies up, it's kind of difficult to see here, but I want to hover over the right part of this cell and it'll eventually turn to the crosshair and that's where we can adjust the order. Okay, we can obviously change that by putting it into a specific sort sequence if we wanted to. That would work as well. Okay. And we could also group these things together. So let's group our direct costs and our indirect costs. And so I'm going to select my food and beverage, selecting these rows, and we're going to go ahead and right click and we're going to go ahead and select group. And that's going to put these into their own group here. And we actually now have two levels of accounts we have a group one and then we have group two. Okay, now this does this unintended consequence of grouping one thing inside of uh, your pivot table will cause you to group everything inside your pivot table. You can't just have some stuff grouped and some stuff not grouped. Okay, what we're going to want to do here to put this stuff into our operating expenses, we're going to need to select the rest of these because notice how they're doubled up here all the way up to insurance. And we're going to go ahead and select a group for here. Let me do that one more time. I think I screwed that up. Okay, let's try that one more time. Group. Nope, oh, doesn't like me. Hold on. Da, da, da. Okay, maybe up to gamble insurance. Let's try that again. Man, what am I doing wrong here? Oh, I've doubled this up a few times now. Hold on. Let's try that one more time. Sometimes it could be a little bit like, honestly, it could be like a little bit uh, uh, like a stickler for getting the right thing. What I'm trying to do, let's try this. No, it's not liking that. Hold on. Let's try, let's just try discreetly selecting this. I've got two levels of categorization on this. Okay. All right. Let me try this one more time. I'm going to try these, selecting these three, right click and group. No, I don't like that either. Hold on. That, uh, how about this? How about we just get rid of our, our vendors and just do it one off and I'll show you what I'm trying to show you here. All right. So we're going to select our group, uh, our food and beverage. We're going to right click and we're going to select our group. Okay. That puts that into group one and we're going to come down here and select these other items. We're going to go ahead and select this. It's going to put this into group two. This is what I was mostly trying to show you here. And then we could say our direct cost. Okay, and then down here we can do our indirect costs. Okay, the point of this is you can group this data yourself, you know, so you're not limited to just what you've got listed in your in your underlying data. You can create your own grouping, although I will point out it's always better to create your own groupings um, 
sorry, it's always to have this, it's always better to have this in the actual data rather than kind of create it ad hoc. The reason being is it's going to be more consistent. And then inevitably you're going to reset your, your pivot table at some point and it's going to blow up your work. If you could come back to your raw data and have like a, um, cost type and have a separate column to specify this, that would always be preferred. Okay, but we could categorize it this way. And I want to try this if I pull my vendor down here again. Okay, now it's at least in the correct order. So hopefully you picked up something there in terms of getting this done in the correct way. Alrighty, so that's how we can do a little bit of grouping with respect to our, our data. Okay, so... We can also obviously blow this up too. If we don't want to group this, we can go ahead and ungroup everything and we'll just put it at the level that we want. So if I want to ungroup this based off of those direct costs, all of that goes away, okay? And we could ungroup everything if we wanted it to be. So creating custom groups is quite useful. It does create a little bit of work in terms of kind of getting those created, but once they're there, they'll continue to, to work for you. Okay, now let's pull back the lens a little bit further and look at a couple of raw things with respect to pivot tables that are useful for you to know. Okay, notice it's doing this arithmetic and calculation with respect to this. You can always double click any number here and it'll tell you how to arrive to that number. So like over here, if we wanted to see this 438,699, if we double click this, this is gonna create a subsidiary ledger for you and a new worksheet that will tell you exactly how it arrived to that particular number. And if we highlight this whole column, okay, we'll see that it is uh, 486,698. And if we come back over here to our data tab, well, it would be whatever we selected it to be. So let me let me see here. Oops, sheet sheet five. Here's our amount. Okay, and we're seeing four thirty eight six ninety eight four thirty eight six ninety eight four thirty eight six ninety eight six ninety nine. It's rounded. It's correct. Okay, so any of these numbers you can click on at any point. It's going to produce another worksheet for you. And that other worksheet will tell you exactly how to range to that specific number. Now, you can also have a lot of control over how the pivot table will look, too, okay? Now, just like with tables and slicers, uh, you have special contextual-aware menus. These are in your ribbon menu. You're going to have two. You're going to have pivot table analyze and design, okay? Look and feel is going to be over here under design. And this is going to be where you can adjust the appearance of this pivot table. So you can turn off and on subtotals. You can also determine where they're positioned. So I can go ahead and turn those off if they're distracting to my report. I can put them at the top, which is where they were. I could also put them at the bottom here. Personally, for myself, I like them at the top of the group. Uh, I personally think that makes your report look a little bit snazzier and it's easier to read. We can also turn off and on our totals and grand totals. You can turn them on for our columns, on for rows, off for rows, on for columns. You have total control over what uh, what is being presented here. You know, And if you're doing just a data you know, like one year's worth of data, there's no point doubling up, you know, and having your um, total and then also a year total next to it. Let me just remove that one extra item I made for Steve Co here so I can illustrate that point. So we delete our data and then we're going to come back over here and refresh our data. Okay. What I'm pointing out is, is it doesn't make sense to have this doubled up like this, where if you just have a single year. In this particular instance, I turn it off because again, it's it's not needed. And if anything, I think it's a little bit more confusing. 
So we'll go ahead and turn that off here. Okay, now we can also determine there are three different layouts for pivot tables. We can do a compact, which is the form you're seeing currently. We can do an outlined form. Okay, this outlined form I think looks pretty useful and it follows a little bit more closely with respect to, I think, traditional um, balance sheet format. That would work out totally okay. And if we come over here, we also have tabular format too. And uh, frankly, I don't use either the outline or the tabular format. 99 times out of 100, I'm in my compact. I personally think this looks the best. Okay. Just like with tables, we can turn off and on our different visual appearance, our header rows, our column rows as well. We can band our rows, you know, if that's helpful to see and, uh, and be able to use and band our columns if we'd like to as well. Okay, so that can be sometimes helpful to be able to kind of see the differences here uh, between this. And we also have plenty of pre-built pivot table styles. And um, we can adjust that accordingly to our brand standards and marketing standards for our group if we'd like as well. Okay, that's just the UI and the look and feel. If we click over here to pivot table analyze, this is going to be where we can access the meat of this report. Okay, starting first and foremost on the left-hand side over here under your pivot table name, you should get in the habit of giving these things a name if you'd like to have it. If you're going to have more than one, it makes it easier to track. Also, under the pivot table name, under your options, this is going to be where you will adjust the visual appearance and calculation options with respect to this pivot table. And so this is going to be where, for example, you can select whether or not it should auto-update the column widths, preserve self-formatting, how to display errors, how to display empty cells are all going to be listed here. Uh, likewise, this is where you can turn off many, turn on and off many of the other features in terms of the design or the display. Uh, but most of the time, um, those values can also be set over here under the design ribbon. So there's really kind of no point going in there. Okay. Now we can also adjust how our active field is calculated. You know, for example, how we can determine and calculate those different fields. I'll talk about that here more in a moment. Okay. We can insert a slicer. We already talked about slicers, but I'll point out slicers absolutely will work out here as well so if we wanted to add a slicer let's say for example on the account we can do so and so boom beverages boom insurance you can go ahead and grab those as well okay we could refresh our data so if there's new data to grab all we have to do is hit refresh if we've pulled our data in from a table guess what it's dynamic it will automatically stay up to date we could redefine the data source if we're using a table, no need ever. Okay, and then with respect to our actions, we can move it, we can clear it, okay? We can do calculations, which is outside the scope of this class, but if we needed to create a new calculation, maybe do infer, infer sales tax, you know, off a particular amount, uh, well, we could just do a base calculation here. We can create a calculated fuel or a calculated item that will do that calculation for us, okay? More advanced, we've got what are called OLAP tools and relationships tools. We can actually create pivot tables from multiple resources simultaneously if we'd like, which is really useful if we're trying to create a pivot table from three or four different worksheets at the same time. And in fact, in our advanced uh, sections of pivot tables, that's often what we're doing. We're treating it like a quasi database at that point. And we could also at any point create our pivot chart. Okay. 
talk about pivot charts here in a moment as well. And we can also turn off and on different things. So we can add or remove our headers. We can take away or add our little plus buttons. And this is the field list. So if we want to get rid of that, we can get rid of that as well. Okay. Now, with respect to your calculations here, I'm going to point out that most of the time you're probably working primarily with some. Okay. Most of the time that's probably sufficient with respect to what you want, but that's not the only calculation you could choose to do. I can actually do multiple calculations inside the same pivot table. If I pull that amount down over here, I, you'll notice I now have two sums. I can actually right click on one of these fields and choose to do a different operation. If I right click on this under summarize values by, I could do a count and it'll tell me frequency, how many are in that specific uh, field. Or we could do an average, a min, a max, or whatever. And we can also choose to show the values differently too. So for this particular field, I, maybe I want to do a percentage of the grand total. And this will show me for each of these values how they contribute to the grand total of our, our report. Okay. So down here, there's $778,000. We can see that our direct costs are 44%. Our indirect costs are 55%. And for each of these vendors, how they contribute to our overall cost. We can go ahead and right click and we could choose to do this differently. We could do, for example, percentage of parent column or percentage of parent row. Okay. So in this particular instance, the summary numbers all tie up to 100. And so we can see here for farmers fresh and fresh meats, farmers produce and fresh meats, these tie out to 100, okay, uh, as it probably will. Likewise, wholesale beverage, our only provider, that's 100. But each of our subtotal groups will total up to the parent as well. And so we can see these numbers differently. Okay. And at any point in time, we could go ahead and turn this into a pivot table, or sorry, pivot chart if we wanted to, if we wanted to summarize this data. So we put our active cell inside of our data set. We click over here to pivot table analyze. We're going to go ahead and select pivot chart. And from this pivot chart, we can go ahead and see there are several recommended charts it's recommending. Let's go ahead and just grab our bar chart here. And here is our pivot chart. Now, what's kind of cool about these pivot charts is that they are reflective of whatever is currently being displayed inside of our pivot table. And so like here, you'll see that we've got um, a couple of uh, different groups expanded. We can see the, uh, for example, uh, it's following that same cascading. So on the left, we have our direct costs. On our right, we have our indirect costs. If we turn back and on our plus buttons, we can actually collapse certain parts of our table here, uh, which will then corresponding collapse certain parts of our pivot chart. And so if we wanted to be able to expand this to look at certain parts of this, we can do so quite easily. And that pivot chart will correspondingly update to whatever values that we see uh, fit. And so it'll always be reflective of this. So that is frankly, just scratching the surface with respect to what you can do with the pivot table. They are incredible with respect to what you can do. And frankly, I think they are uh, fantastic. Um, so I would tell you that anytime you need to summarize large quantities of data, this is a good place to get started. 
Okay, pivot tables are rarely the only type of analysis I'm doing, but when it comes to breaking apart big data sets to understand them by categories and through dimensional analysis, it's a no-brainer. Okay, and it's the account, one of the accountant's best friends. So I just want to say thank you so much for a great day. I, I always enjoy being able to teach and present this class. Uh, it's always fun being able to show people some of the essentials and re-confirming uh, existing skills, learning new skills, and finding new ways to leverage this incredible tool. And uh, I, I want to point out that we've covered a lot of information here, best best spreadsheet practices, tables, formula operations, lookups, pivot tables, and more. Inevitably, you're going to have some questions. And if so, I'm your guy. I'm more than happy to help, more than happy to answer any questions you might have. Uh, my contact information's on the screen. If you have any questions, by all means, please consider reaching out. Sometimes I hear from folks all the time, you know, a couple of years later, and I'm more than happy to answer your questions now or in the future. Uh, just feel free to reach out anytime that you would like. Uh, it might take me a day or two to get back to you, frankly, just due to my travel and work and teaching schedule, but I do respond to every message I get. So if there's something I could do for you, please let me know. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, efforts, and focus. Uh, and again, if there's anything I can do for you at any point, please let me know. Thank you so much. Wish you all the very, very best. And I look forward to seeing you in another webinar soon. Best wishes. This concludes today's presentation. As a reminder, if you're watching or listening to our show on YouTube, Facebook, or elsewhere, you can earn credits by going to cpetoday.com and passing a brief five-question quiz. If you're a new watcher or listener to our show and you'd like to earn a credit, you can do so for free by using coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout. You can make today's class or any other class of your choosing 100% free with this code. Please consider reaching out and connecting with us on social media. You can subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook and more. Feel free to leave us a comment. Also, please consider subscribing to our show wherever you happen to receive your content, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and others. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to seeing you back at the office the next time around.